Hi, this is Stephen Ambrose, Senior Pastor at Wapaknas. I want to welcome you to the Wapaknas podcast. We hope and pray that this message goes deep into your DNA, is encouraging, relevant to your life, a means for you to engage with God and experience His love, and moves you to impact your world. We at Wapaknas believe firmly that you matter to God. We are glad that you are taking the risk to engage with Him today. Wapaknas is love people loving people to Jesus, and it takes people to partner with us to be on mission and bring this message to our community, the region, and the world. If you would like to financially partner with Wapaknas to love people to Jesus, join us by going to our website at wapaknas.org and becoming a financial partner. We thank you, we pray for you, we love you, and enjoy the message. Well, uh, we are we're beginning our, our Christmas series. Uh, last week we kind of took a moment of review and looked over our shoulder um, and uh, just want to kind of give you uh, kind of some insight to the next several weeks. We are having a Christmas Eve service. It'll be here um, at five o'clock on Christmas Eve. Um, and on the 20th, uh, we're, we're, we're going to have a, a wonderful opportunity just to come to the table of the Lord. Um, and we're, we're going to celebrate Christmas by remembering the cross. Um, and, uh, we're going to have communion here, but for those that are unable to be here, um, uh, we're, we're also doing that at the drive-through. We're going to have a drive-through communion as well. I just want to make sure everybody has that opportunity to come to the table. Um, and so, uh, have you ever, have you ever been waiting in a line uh, for a long time only to find that you're actually in the wrong line? So uh, this summer, I went to our local BMV. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> to, to be quite honest, and, and I come from a larger county, uh, so the BMV here in, in, in Auglaise County is much quicker, uh, much quicker than I had experienced in my home county. Um, they've always been on it in all facets. However, uh, COVID has of, of the many things that COVID has brought, it has brought us lines. And so I rolled up to get my tags renewed. And going through the parking lot, I saw this long line stretched out into the parking lot. And I thought, oh my goodness. So I got out of my car and how long this line was going to be was yet to be determined. So I actually pulled out my phone and I clicked the stopwatch <laughs> and I put it in my pocket. And I just stood there in line, just keeping my mask on, being fine. And I'm watching all the people roll in the parking lot. Some people rolled in the parking lot, and they rolled right back out of the parking lot. And I saw some people just sitting in their cars, waiting for their family or their friends. And actually, there was a lady that that worked for the BMV, and she buzzed in and out of the BMV often. Uh, periodically doing this like triage. Can I see your driver's license? And why are you here? Um, and so witnessing all of this, people having conversations on their phone, people complaining about being in line or COVID or having masks, just watching and witnessing this whole thing go down. But I often saw as I slowly creeped in, to the front end of the line, I noticed this really small sign right where you can like enter into 
the BMV or the title agency. And that real small sign said, if you needed to go into the title department, there's no need to wait. However, every individual that pulled into the parking lot and went into line, they got into the back of the longest line. Unaware that if they needed to go into the title department, they could just go right on in. And I watched. And I waited in this very long line. And I watched and saw several people wait in the same line and then get closer and closer and realize they didn't need to wait in that long line. They could go right on in. People waiting in the long line found themselves to be in the wrong line. And they were waiting for the wrong things. What are you waiting for? What are you waiting on? Are you waiting on God to say that something? Or are you waiting on God to say that something one more time? So that you can be very, very sure. What are you waiting on? What are you waiting for? Are you waiting for that someone? Or just that something? What are you waiting for? Are you waiting for the right thing? Are you waiting for God to come in with a loud, booming voice? Saying, here I am. Are you waiting for an angel? Are you waiting for a miracle? Are you waiting for thunder? What are you waiting on? Are you, I don't know, are you waiting on the wrong thing? How do you know what the right thing is and what the wrong thing is? Actually, are you waiting on something that you want and you're imposing that on God to think that that's exactly what He wants for you? What are you waiting for? This month, we're going to ask ourselves the questions. What are we waiting for? What are you waiting on? This week, we're going to talk about waiting on the wrong things. Next week, we're going to talk about waiting on the right things. And in two weeks, we're going to talk about how there's a right way to wait. And there's a wrong way to wait. And on Christmas Eve, what do you do when God shows up? What do you do when God shows up? Quite frankly, God's already showed up. And He's always here. I just want to throw that out there. He's already here. So, would you please pull out your phones or your, your, uh, your Bibles, um, that old antiquated paper thing. You can pull out your phones, pull up, pull up Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2. And we're actually going to skip... We're going to fast forward uh, past the birth story for a moment. And we're going to go to the after the birth story. Okay? We're going to go towards the end of the birth story. Chronologically, 
Matthew chapter 2, verse 1 through 16. This is well after the angelic announcement. Hey Mary, you're going to have a bun in the oven. This is well after the divorce debacle where Joseph is scratching his head going, who are you and what am I supposed to do because I want to hightail it out of here. This is well after the borrowed manger and the wild animal witnesses. This is after the shepherds. This is after the eighth day slice with a knife circumcision. Yes, that's a part of the Christmas story. We don't talk about it very often, but it's a part of the Christmas story. If you're going to put Herod in the Christmas story, you better put the circumcision in the Christmas story. This is well after the temple dedication. Forty days later, this actually lands well over several months later. Almost, probably around a year after Jesus was born. When you look at nativities, we put it all in it. And so, we're going to land right here. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1 through 16. We're going to read it in its entirety. After Jesus was born. Kind of an indication, right? This isn't at the manger. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea. During the time of King Herod, Magi came from the, east, or from the east, came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed. I kind of think James Earl Jones needs to say something right there. This is disturbing. There's a disturbance in the force. I don't know. Uh, and all Jerusalem with him. When he called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea. They replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Then Herod, the shady guy, then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go, make a careful search for the child. I mean, Bethlehem is not that big, man. Don't have to make that much of a careful search. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way. And the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary. And they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, of incense, and of myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left 
for Egypt and where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet. Out of Egypt I called my son. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, go figure, wise men outwitting you? Yeah, that's kind of what they do, right? He was furious. And he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem in its vicinity who were two years old and under in accordance with the time when he had learned from the Magi. Folks, we don't often talk about this portion of the story. We like the fluffiness of the manger, the brilliance of the shepherds and the angels in the fields. We don't necessarily talk about the fact that Jesus was in utero at one point and he was dividing cells. And then that there was a bun in the oven and there was actual afterbirth. We don't talk about the fact that there was a megalomaniac, Mad, uh, Herod, who went out for a horrific slaughter of little children because of Jesus Christ. Let's go back for a second. It's because of the curious, watchful eye of the Magi. that they, they came east. They searched the ancient texts. They also searched God's creation. And they landed on, there's something going on in the west. And they followed the star. And the star came and brought them to Jerusalem, the national city, the identity of all of Jerusalem. And they went to the leader. They went to the self-proclaimed king of the Jews. Herod self-proclaimed himself as the king of the Jews. They were missing a little information. They wanted to know where this child was born. And all their understanding and all their wisdom and all their searches, they didn't know where he was born. So, they asked Herod. They asked Herod a specific question. And this specific question actually was a very serious question. And threatened King Herod himself. It threatened his sovereignty. It threatened his power. That's why Herod was so disturbed. Folks, Jesus Christ, He not only turned tables in the temple, but He's to turn tables in your life. He's to be disturbing a little bit. He's to interrupt your life a little bit. Actually, quite a bit. So, they asked Herod this question. Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? Herod did not know this answer. So, we can learn something from not only these pagan magi, but we can learn something from Herod. You go to the people who know. When you don't know, you go to the people who do know. And so, he, he called in the chief priests and the teachers of the law. Folks, these are the master of divinity students. The seminary students. These are the religious elite. These are the ones that everybody looked to for the answers. In fact, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, they were more than cogs in the system. They were the system. They actually were the ones that held the bureaucratic positions. 
and kept everybody else at length to make sure that they were right to come into God. These were the ones that were working in the temple. They knew all of the ancient Jewish texts, particularly what we know today as the Old Testament. Genesis to Malachi. They knew it frontward and backward, upside down, inside out. They knew it. So Herod, not knowing, asked those who do know the question. It's kind of like if you ever want to ask about being a quarterback, you ask Peyton Manning. Notice I didn't say Tom Brady. You ask Manning. Manning knows. It's like back in the day, Bo knows. Bo knows baseball, right? Manning knows quarterbacking. So you go to Manning. Herod went to Manning. Herod went to Manning and said, Hey, where's the one to be born king of the Jews? And Manning says, Calls the audible, Omaha! Okay, don't ever use that joke again. I knew that wouldn't land. Man, wow. He calls the audible. The chief priests and the teachers of the law of, of, of the law call the audible in Bethlehem in Judea. They know exactly where it is. And then they go beyond that. They say, hey, by the way, the prophet Micah, six centuries before this, man, he actually laid it out. In Bethlehem in Judea, you think you're the least of everybody? You're not really the, the least of everybody. You're actually going to be the one that produces the leader, the shepherd of my people. So we asked them. Where was the Christ to be born? And they gave him the answer. They replied. They knew it. They knew the answer. What are you waiting on? What are you waiting for? It's really intriguing. These are the guys that know. They have it. It's in there. But, Let's trace our steps for a second. You know what I find very intriguing about the Christmas story? I find intriguing all the people that actually got to lay their eyes on the newborn and the actual infant Jesus. Let's trace our steps for a second. Go back to the manger. That borrowed manger. Just like that borrowed tomb. That borrowed manger. Who was there? Joseph, his father, who was going to divorce the one he was pledged to be married. Man, he was playing midwife. Come on out! Who else was there who got to lay eyes on the newborn? His mom. That teenage virgin. That unmarried girl. Both a couple, lowborn the poorest of the poor. They couldn't even rub enough together when they went to the temple to actually have a proper sacrifice. They only had enough to afford a pigeon to sacrifice and honor the Lord. They were the poor. Who else? It was those low-born shepherds living in the fields, shepherding sheep for the slaughter. Where? In the temple. 
These were the forgotten. These were the marginalized, the ostracized, the unclean. Those individuals that actually don't necessarily go into the temple. Fast forward for a second. Go to day 40. Day 40 after his birth. The dedication, this is in Luke chapter 2. At the dedication, who got to lay hands on Jesus, the, the Messiah, the newborn? It was Simeon. This old man who had been waiting, waiting for the right things in the right way. Hint, hint. We'll, we'll catch him here in the next few weeks. And he saw Israel's consolation. He saw the redemption of Israel when he landed his eyes on this newborn baby. Who else? It was that old widow, Anna. Living in the temple, praying, fasting. She'd been widowed for many, many years, but she was waiting. She was waiting for the right thing in the right way. Hint, hint. We'll see her in a few weeks, right? She was able to hold Jesus. She saw him and she knew exactly there's the Messiah. What's intriguing more than who actually got to lay eyes on, not to mention the wise men, by the way, these pagan people, all the way from way away from Jerusalem, way away from Palestine, they weren't Jewish. They weren't the right people. They were these kingmakers and kingbreakers that came from the east, moved west, landed on them, and saw this new this newborn, this 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 baby. Well after the fact. They would not have been chosen. They would not have been selected by any person in the system to say, you can see the Messiah. More intriguing than that is who missed it? Who missed it? Bless you. That was great. I love it. Who missed it? Who didn't catch Christmas? But who actually missed the Messiah? It was the chief priests and the teachers of the law. If you were a betting person, a betting man or woman, you'd lay your money down on chief priests and teachers of the law to catch it. Because they knew it. They were the ones that were representing the whole population waiting for the Messiah. They knew the information. They were the, they were the churchgoers, man. They were in the pew every Sunday, every Wednesday, at every prayer meeting when the lights were on and the pastor was in his office, they were knocking at the door. When are we having church? Dude, it's Thursday. Come on. They were the religious. They knew the Scriptures. And they missed it. They missed the Messiah. Why? Why did they miss the Messiah? Honestly, I think for the very same reasons that we miss the Messiah. For the very same reasons that we do. The very same reasons we miss God when He shows up. Because they were looking for a Messiah that was high-born, 
not necessarily lowborn. They were looking for the powerful Lord God Almighty lightning bolt and everything. Well, let's bring it down a little bit more to the pavement here. No Messiah of theirs is going to be born in a borrowed manger. No Messiah of theirs will ever suffer. No Messiah of theirs will ever be impoverished or poor. No. He's a king. He comes as a king should come with pomp and circumstance, with parade. He was already born into royalty. But Jesus, the Son of God, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, He came in the way a servant comes. Let's look ahead for a second. When Jesus came down the Mount of Olives and rode right into Jerusalem, he wasn't he wasn't riding a white mare. He wasn't standing in a chariot. He wasn't being carried by his servants. No, he was riding a donkey. No king of theirs would ride a donkey. The night before Jesus, the night of Jesus' arrest. He actually took on the towel of the servant and washed his disciples' feet. No king of theirs would wash anybody's feet. Who did Jesus party with? <laughs> he partied with, well, pretty much everybody that they wouldn't party with. The sinners, the tax collectors, the lost, the marginalized, the ostracized, the forgotten. They called him out for that. Why do you eat with tax collectors and sinners? No king of theirs would do that. They missed the Messiah because they were looking for God. They were looking for the Messiah and they were waiting on the wrong things about the Messiah. When you stand in the wrong, when you stand in the long line and you realize that the long line is the wrong line, you're waiting on the wrong things. And it was the chief priests and the teachers of the law while Jesus was on the cross. They mocked him among themselves. He saved others, they said. But he can't save himself. Let this Christ, the King of Israel, come down now from the cross that we may see and believe. He had already come down. As Matthew said, he already crossed the cosmos, wrapped himself in flesh, and came down. And they missed the Messiah. They didn't catch Christmas. 
What are you waiting for? What are you waiting on? Maybe. Maybe. Maybe you're waiting on the person to apologize to you before you forgive them. You're waiting on the wrong things. Maybe you're waiting on a girlfriend or a boyfriend or a spouse, that person that you will marry, before you feel complete. You're waiting on the wrong things. Maybe you're waiting for the new year for a fresh start. Maybe you're waiting for COVID to go away before you can re-engage. You're waiting on the wrong things. Maybe you're waiting on the promotion. Maybe you're waiting on the position. Maybe you're waiting on permission to lead. You're waiting on the wrong things. Maybe you're waiting to break free from debt before you begin to tithe. You're waiting on the wrong things. Maybe you're waiting for all the extracurricular activities of your kids to stop before you begin to engage and serve in the church and serve the Lord. You're waiting on the wrong things. Maybe you're waiting for all the extracurriculars of your kids to stop before you volunteer outside of the church. Become salt, light, and yeast. You're waiting on the wrong things. Maybe you're waiting on someone of influence, someone that you respect, to come and tell you you've got it. Own it. It's in you. Ah, Maybe you're waiting on the wrong things. Maybe you're waiting on someone else to make the decision for you. You're waiting on the wrong things. Maybe you're waiting to be free from physical pain to engage in the world and to move. You're waiting on the wrong things. Maybe you're waiting to be broken free from your mental and emotional and psychological anguish before you will actually be free. You're waiting on the wrong things. Maybe you're waiting on others to say you belong before you actually belong. Maybe you're waiting on the wrong things. Maybe you're waiting on someday. Maybe you're waiting for your fears and all the negativity that was put into you as a kid to be confirmed so that you feel justified not to do what you know you should do. Maybe you're waiting on the wrong things. Folks, have you ever considered that you're waiting on the wrong things? Have you ever once considered that heaven is actually waiting for you to make the move? take the step forward to experience greatness and grace and mercy and forgiveness and goodness? You ever considered heaven's waiting on you to take the step? Heaven already came down, man. Heaven already came down. Came down in the most vulnerable way possible. Maybe you're waiting on feeling worthy or to be cleaned up to give your life to Christ. You might be waiting on the wrong thing. Heaven's waiting on you to step forward. Movements of God start with yes. Your yes.
What are you waiting on? You might be waiting on the wrong things. But I'm telling you, right now, you need to stop waiting. Would you please stand for just one moment? Bow your heads for just a second. Well, it's going to be longer than a second. I don't want to lie to you. Heaven's waiting on you to step into it. Jesus has got life for you. He's got eternal life for you. He's got forgiveness of sins for you. He's got grace for you. He's got mercy for you. He's got a relationship with Him for you. Man, there's so much. There's an inheritance. There's all kinds of things. that It's just waiting on you to say yes. Waiting on you to step in and say, Jesus, I give you my life. Hopefully this morning you have put yourself into the, the story and maybe you've realized you've been waiting on the wrong things this whole time that it's Christ that you actually should be waiting on. It's Christ that you should be stepping into. This morning, if that's you, if you've been waiting and you've been waiting for that thunder, you've been waiting for that lightning bolt, you've been waiting for that neon sign, I'm telling you right now, it's here right now. You might not hear James Earl Jones speak, it's disturbing, or I'm here and... No, it's, it's right here, right now. God is talking to you, speaking into you. He said, the waiting is done. I have arrived and I am here. So if that's you, I'm, I'm going to ask that you just say something very, very sincerely with all your heart. Jesus, I, I give you my life. cross that line of faith and say, Jesus, I give you my life. I'm done waiting all the things that aren't coming because they're the wrong things that you're already here, that you have arrived, that you have given your life. Jesus, I give you my life. That you rose from the dead and you have eternal life. Jesus, I give you my life. Just sincerely say, Jesus, I give you my life. That's not the full conversation. That's not the it's just the beginning of the conversation. Jesus, I give you my life. If you have asked Him, if you have prayed that, maybe for the first time, would you just raise your hand? And now, I'm going to switch shift gears here real quick. If you have realized this morning you're waiting on the wrong things, whatever those wrong things may be, will you acknowledge that by physically raising your arm and your hand? Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Thank you. Father, for those that raise their hands, 
They took courage to admit it out in public. They've been waiting on the wrong things. Lord, I ask that you speak into them about those things. There are obviously cares and concerns about their life, about their heart. But Lord, will you direct them into the Scriptures and into you, Jesus, because you are the one that fulfills. You are the one that makes whole. You are the one that heals. You are the one that completes. You are the one that provides identity and worth and value. May we find and may they find all of that in you and receive it. So Father, they, they were brave and raised their hand and they acknowledged publicly that they're waiting on the wrong things. Lord Father, will you steer their attention? Will you direct them into the right thing? And what that looks like. Will you speak into them and encourage them? Open their eyes for what raining on the wrong things does. And what stepping into the right thing is. Jesus, I thank you for our folks. I thank you for our people. I ask that you breathe into them your breath of life and your goodness this week. And Father, I pray and I ask that they catch Christmas, that they do not miss the Messiah. From our kids to our teenagers to our young adults all the way to our seasoned vets. May we not miss the Messiah, but may we catch Christ and may we catch Christmas this year. I thank you, Jesus, for who you are and what this season means. May we go in your peace and may we go in your love and your grace. Will you continue to speak to them as they go today? It's in your name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen. Folks, may you love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. And will you please love your neighbor as yourself? Be blessed. Have a great day. We'll see you. We'll see you soon. Merry Christmas. Thank you for listening to the Wapak Naz podcast. We hope you are moved deeply to step into God and the hope and future he has for you and that you are moved to be salt, light, and yeast in your community and to love people to Jesus.